On the mountain, we shall assemble at the throne with humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song, glory and honor and dominion unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh,
Welcome to Preston Crest. It's great, great to see everybody here this morning on this cold winter day, but just wait a couple days and spring will be back. We are thankful that each of you have chosen to worship with us this morning, whether you're here in person or you're uh, worshiping with us online. I am Stephen Miller. I'm one of the elders here at this church. This church is an incredible faith community that strives to love God and love others wholeheartedly. If you are visiting with us, we're particularly glad that you're here, and we hope that you'll give us a chance to meet you at the end of service. As we do each week, we ask our members to text the word CHECK-IN to 469-476-5331 as it lets us know who has joined us. Plus, we'll provide you a digital copy of our bulletin that's full of great information about our ministries, opportunities to get involved, a number of specific prayer requests and announcements. Today is a very special day. Not only is it the first Sunday of 2022, but today is the 2,602nd worship of the Preston Crest Church of Christ, our 50th anniversary. There have certainly been many changes to Dallas and the world since Preston Crest first worshiped together on January 2nd, 1972. We've had a few snow days, ice days, major remodeling and a pandemic, to name a few, but neither weather, construction, or closures interrupted our weekly services. The earliest Preston Crest membership directory dated in 1972 lists 33 families living in just nine zip codes. Now several hundred families have been added coming from over a hundred zip codes. The remarkable growth of Preston Crest over its first 50, year, uh, 50 years confirms the vision of those who dreamed of his existence and then turned to their dreams into a reality. We are a people with passion for God and compassion for people. We will have a full reunion and 50th anniversary celebration in a couple of months on March 27th. So put this date on your calendar. Plans are already underway to honor our past and look forward to our future. Always keeping in mind that Preston Crest Church of Christ is here because of him. Now as we enter worship this morning, let's reflect on these words from Psalms 119, 147, and 148. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another year of life and all that you provided for us last year. May we delight in the gift of your presence as we discern the journey you have for us in this new year. Lord, the last few years have been filled with sickness, loss of life, job loss, isolation, anxiety, fear, and division. We're weary, Father. Give us the eyes to see the kingdom life Christ has promised and fill us with a hope that allows us to live each day with generosity, compassion, and joy. Lord, bring to mind those in our lives who are suffering and help us to be faithful in prayer and service to them. 
show us how to nurture true Christian community in our lives this year. Give us the initiative and insight to know how to cultivate a greater love for God's people. Help us to share our lives with one another in such a way that the people we meet are ultimately drawn closer to you. Father, we're just so thankful for 50 years of Preston Crest. We pray that your spirit and guidance will continue to direct our congregation and that we will remain grounded in your truth and love. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And may we worship in spirit and truth this morning. We pray this in his name. Amen. This is holy ground. We're standing on
as we enter into our time of communion. We're going to sing one more song, and then Robert Stolte is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. driving in this morning, <clears throat> my grandson said, Opa, look at all these cars out on the highway. I said, yeah, there are a lot of cars out here on the highway. 
And he said, are you trying to beat them? <laughs> That's how I drive sometimes. It's confession time. I just spent a wonderful 45 minutes with the young couples class over at Preston Place, and it was so wonderful. I got a text from Rebecca Sutton saying, are you going to pick up Jonathan today? <laughs> and then some of you probably saw Bobby take Jonathan out so that I could just calm myself a little bit and relax and be thankful for this time to reflect on something that is so beautiful in our lives, our Savior. You know, the implementation of an abrupt change is difficult to maintain. Just look at New Year's resolutions. Subtle changes here and there over time, though, tend to facilitate a more permanent change. Did you know that the words we use do more to change our hearts than anything we could ever implement? The words that stream through our minds have a tremendous influence. I see this in groups of people. I see this in individuals who make long-term changes in their hearts and in their lives. I want us to run through our minds this morning specific words that influence our hearts and minds and will help us reorient ourselves to Jesus and God's mission to save us. The world. The world's reference point is people. Scripture's reference point is God. Sin, vital to the knowledge of God. Failing to reach God's standard, obey His authority, ignoring Him, shrugging off the first commandment to love Him with all of our heart. It's relentless within every person and produces some horrific effects, which leads us to the next word, death. The reality is that death will eventually intervene. Physical death is the separation of body and spirit. Spiritual death is the separation of a person from God, and it's Christ who restores the life of relationship with God. The devil, he's declared war on us, and we trust God to keep us safe in the world. Christ came, Scripture says, to destroy the works of the devil. He does this through his atoning death. The word chosen. We're cho chosen of grace, excluding any merit in us, absolutely. God chose us because in his mercy, he was pleased to do so. And he is pleased to bring us salvation. The word faith. It's a response of God and his saving truth. It's a recognition of the facts put forward from God to our need. It's a realization that the good news is our invitation to rely on him. Fellowship, sharing something in common with one another, fellowship with the Father and with his son, Jesus. Scripture tells us that when we fellowship with one another, we deepen our fellowship with our Redeemer. Grace. God's love for us is a free gift, undeserved on our part, and flows from God in the giving of gifts for His service and God's favor in the transformation of our lives. Holiness. 
being set apart, it relates us to God's character, which we're called to reflect. It's revealed in the choices we make as we depict God's holiness in our lives. Justification. God canceling our sins, giving us righteousness by grace. Christ was obedient to the Father to death, bearing the penalty for our sin. He did it on our behalf. Lord, I am who I am, sovereign, self-sufficient, mediator. Jesus representing both sides of the conflict to find a basis for restoring friendship. Reconciliation, a turning of hostility into friendship. God took the first step. He's making peace. A second birth, a new beginning of life, a new heart, and a new spirit. Revelation, vital things are hidden until God discloses them to us, and for this reason we listen respectfully, we learn, and we gratefully receive what God reveals. It's God's vision that we be with the Lord. Sanctification, regeneration is birth. Sanctification is growth, a desire for God, a desire for holiness, a desire to pray, to worship, to love, to serve, to honor, to please God. Scripture. Why do we regard Scripture as infallible and set aside time and resources to study and to meditate on it? Because it's divine. Its author is God. And then Jesus, our maker, he's our defender, our redeemer, and our friend. I invite you to pray with me, please. Our Father, you said, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. We look to Jesus today, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set out for him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. We think of him who endured such opposition against himself by sinners, and we proclaim his name until he comes with gratefulness in our hearts as we remember our Savior. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
pray together. Our Father, we praise and thank you for your grace that through your Son, Jesus, you gave us this memorial meal to remember Jesus. We praise and thank you for the life which you made known to us by Jesus, your Son. By him you made all things and sustain all things. You sent Jesus to become man for our salvation. You allowed him to suffer and to die. You raised him up. You glorified him and have set him at your right hand. And in him you promised us a place as a participant in his resurrection. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So good to see everyone here today. Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, if you want to give this morning, you can do that several ways through the website. There's a button you can click and give on there. Or Church Teams is our, our texting way to give. And then also the box out in the foyer if you want to drop something in there. Uh, we're just glad that you're here, though. Uh, when I think about New Year and approaching the New Year, I kind of think more like clenched fist resolution, right? A New Year's resolution, I'm, I'm going to eat differently, I'm going to learn French, or I'm going to work out more, or I'm going to do this or that, or read my Bible this year every day, and, and a lot of good things. But I want us to consider uh, opening those hands up and just ready to receive what God has for us this year uh, and not just resolve you know, what I'm going to do differently, uh, what's God going to do. And so if you, if you would, just open your hands and open your arms, and we'll pray and invite God into this new year together. <sighs> you have good things in store for us, Father. I pray for each brother and sister here and those with us online this morning. With open hands and open arms, May we receive the joy of the Lord this year. We want to receive your peace that passes understanding and your forgiveness and your grace. We want to receive every good thing that you have for us. We want to receive your spirit into our lives to remake us, renew us, restore us, make us better disciples. Lord, we know that we cannot give to those around us. We cannot serve unless we have first received from you and have something to offer. And so I pray, God, that our lives will be so full of you, your spirit and your blessings, 
that it will overflow into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our families and friendships, God. Do your work through us this year and continue to keep us open to you and your move among us. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church right now. We're going to sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come back up and share with us this morning. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout I mean, we've been talking about this a few weeks, so if you haven't heard about this, you're probably a first-time visitor, and that's great. We're glad that you're here. But we're going to be reading through the Bible together in the year 2022, following, and it's something you can find on your Version app, the Biblical Storyline Plan. You can get on there. You can choose whatever translation that you prefer. Uh, there's some helpful videos as well, but if you follow along with us, you will have read through the entirety of the Bible uh, one day at a time in the year 2022, and that is a good thing. You've probably gotten or will receive a text or email about this with lots more information and a link uh, so that you can read on your phone, on your iPad. You can even read on a, on a desktop computer. We, we'll give you a link to do that. Uh, we've got out the, outside the doors, we got paper uh, copies of this plan so you can use your good old trusty paper Bible, uh, make your highlights and everything in there. If you want to follow along, there's a guide out there. Anyway, hopefully you can join us and this is the time to do it uh, instead of getting behind, you know, and starting in March or April, which you could do that too, but best time to start is today. Um, today and next week, we're going to talk some about discipleship. A disciple is simply a learner 
Uh, discipleship in our faith is that process of not only learning from Jesus, but becoming like Jesus. And that's really the goal that we have as a church family, is to help each individual become more and more like Jesus. So, I mean, when you think about what is the church about what is our why? Why did God put us here? Is it to feed the hungry? Is it to plant churches? Is it to show compassion and mourn with those who mourn? Well, yes, but really centrally, it's making disciples because disciples do all of those things. Disciples make disciples. Disciples care for the lost. Disciples reach out and meet needs in the city. So discipleship is what we are about. In fact, the last words of Jesus there in Matthew 28 to his apostles was, go and make disciples. And that job is, is not done. So we are still about that. We've had 50 years of being about that, and hopefully we'll have another 50 years here uh, on Preston Road making disciples. At Preston Crest, if you've been around here much, we kind of translate that, that into two real kind of tangible things. We talk about passion for God and compassion for people. And if you are growing in those two things, you are becoming more like Jesus. You are developing as a disciple. So this morning... I left off a couple of weeks ago. We had walked three weeks through the Christmas story according to the Gospel of Luke. And while we are now past the Christmas story, we're going to go in Luke chapter 2 to the very next story Luke has for us in his Gospel, Jesus, 12 years old. And we're going to learn a little bit from this story that you're probably familiar with. We're going to learn a little bit about discipleship, about growing up in our faith. Now his parents, verse 41, now his parents, Mary and Joseph, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, and they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Side note here, just parenting. I could kind of get this a little bit better if they had had maybe four or five kids and he's like the, the young one and you kind of lose track. But I mean, this is their first child and three days go by and it's like, where's Jesus? Anyway, uh, after three days, they did find him sitting in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. I'm a nervous wreck, she's saying. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Now verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You know, baptism is a birth. 
John 3, being born again. It's, it's not an ending place. It's a starting place. And as I was thinking about discipleship this week, I was kind of imagining how weird it would be if a young mom and, and a young dad with their new baby thought, you know, that's the end of parenting, you know, the delivery room. Just saying hello to your new baby. I mean, how weird would that be for that mother right after that baby is born to look up at the father and say, mission accomplished, parenting is over. Welcome to the world, little Stephanie. Good luck to you. We're out of here. No, that's just where it starts. Birth is where it begins. Baptism is where it begins. There's a story uh, from rural England, there was a group of American tourists looking at all these picturesque places, and they came into this little village, Cobblestone Street. They're walking up that street, and there was an elderly gentleman perched on a fence, sitting on a fence. And just one of them was curious and said, sir, do you know if any great men have been born in this village? The old man said, no, just babies. You're not born a great man or a great woman. You're not born a great disciple. Baptism, your birth is, is your beginning. It's the start of a journey. And we see this modeled even in our Lord, our Savior. Jesus in Luke chapter 52 is not full grown in any sense of the word. Luke tells us that he grew in stature physically. He was growing. Marks on the wall were getting higher. Luke tells us that he grew intellectually, quote, in wisdom. He increased in wisdom. And he also grew in relationship with God, in favor with God, and with other people, in favor with men. So moving to us, following Jesus means, at the most basic level, we are to imitate Jesus we're to be like him, and he grew. He developed, and so we are supposed to grow as well. And honestly, this, by the way, this verse, <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 52, that will keep theologians talking for years, that verse. It is packed with mystery. I mean, just think about that. Luke says that Jesus increased. Physically, I get that. He wasn't going to stay a baby in a manger. He grew, we get that. But he increased in wisdom. So he didn't have perfect wisdom when he was, he was growing in that. And then even more of a head scratcher for theologians, he, he grew, he increased, increased in favor with God. I mean, didn't he, as God's only begotten, have like perfect favor at all times? It's just a lot of things to think about. But at a more basic level, um, we find out he didn't show up full grown. We don't show up full grown. There is a process here. It takes time. There's developing that needs to happen to us as people. And in the faith, as followers of Jesus. The world that we inhabit right now, I don't need to tell you, it is not big on patience. It is not big on waiting. It is not big on slow processes. We want to jump the line. We want to skip ahead. We want to get to the end right now. We want what we want, and we want it now. I mean, this Christmas time, I'm sure, under some Christmas trees, there were some much-desired blue jeans, pre-ripped, of course, 
worn. You pay more for that, right? You don't want to go through the process. I just want it fully mature, fully developed, right out of the... I read the other day, in fact, I saw this with Claudia on a car. You can buy this spray mud. It's like spray paint mud to put on your 4x4 so it looks like you've been off-roading. Don't actually have to go off and you just spray it on there. And it may sound tempting, but there are these, you know, spray tans that we can put on ourselves as Christians, things that we can do to superficially look a little more Christian y. I don't know if that's a word. But discipleship. It just takes time. It just takes time. I've never been great at the whole patience thing. Maybe I've gotten a little better over the years. I've always enjoyed baking things, especially desserts. Pies, cake, cookies from a young age. I was in the 4-H club. Did all the, I loved it. I loved it. But I do remember one of my first peanut butter cookie recipe attempts. I mean, I measured everything out perfectly, got it mixed perfectly. uh, But instead of heating the oven to 350, I decided I could speed up the process by going to 550. How do you think that turned out? Yeah. Pulled those little charcoal briquettes out of the oven after like 10 minutes Burnt on the outside, raw on the inside. It just takes time. I learned you can't rush them, at least if you want them to be right, if you want them to be good. And discipleship, like so many important things in life, it's a process and it takes time. The Apostle Paul talked a lot about this discipleship process, about growing in faith, about maturing as a follower of Jesus. And one of the images that he used is the image of, of roots. Think of a tree or a plant in your garden. Roots. It takes time to grow roots that will nourish that plant so that it can produce your strawberries, your, your tomatoes, your fruit. He says this in Colossians chapter 2. And now, just as you think beginning point here, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, that happened somewhere in the past. You said yes to Jesus. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must what? You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, fruit, consequence, outcome here. Then, your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. It's not enough to be taught. It's not enough to learn stuff. You're supposed to grow into that. So that your life is strong in the truth. And that you overflow with, with thankful, with gratefulness. I love that idea that he uses there of a, of a, of a root that grows. You know, the, I'm not a great gardener, but I do know the only thing that grows quickly in the garden is called a weed. Right? I mean, that, that is the only thing that you don't see anything today. Tomorrow you wake up, boom, it's a weed. Right? It's a weed. 
The things that, that you want to grow, strawberry plant, tomato plant, cucumber, whatever, that takes some time. And Paul is telling us this faith. You accepted Jesus. Yes, great. Now, continue to grow. Continue to put one foot in front of the other. And over time, you will grow into this strong follower of Jesus. I love that reference point. Another thing about roots is, I think you could say they're rather hidden, right? I mean, you don't look at them and go, oh, I see what's happening there. And spiritual growth is kind of like that. It's hidden, but it's happening. I mean, you can stare at it, and you may not see before your very eyes something happening in that moment, but over time, you will. Discipleship takes time. Luke chapter 2, Jesus was growing. He's 12 years old now. He's not a baby any longer. He's growing. He's developing. What about us? What about me and you? So it takes some focus, some intentionality, and it takes some time. If I'm going to be wise and loving, generous and kind, deeper in my faith with the Lord, it's going to take time. There was a couple, uh, a couple of weeks, it was two weeks ago, two weeks ago today. Uh, Their names are Tan and Truck. Uh, A young couple came and they'd been uh, visiting with us online. They'd been worshiping with us uh, through the streaming and that's great. And they decided to come in person and they were moved to be baptized two weeks ago. It was great. After second service, Phil Jackson and I were here and we got to talk with them and pray with them and and baptize them into Christ. And, And we realized though, and we conveyed to them how important it is for them now to work on growing those roots. Finding community here. Developing some new habits. Because the God project was just getting started in their lives. It's exciting. It's joyous. Just like a delivery room moment. But it's not the end. It's just the start. The good news about baptism, that marker of new life, John chapter 3, being born again. The good news is how it reminds us that we are saved by grace, that we are not brought into God's favor because of our hard work and our diligence. Justification comes at the cross. It comes through Jesus. But we're also reminded there that there's a, a beginning of something, justification, but now sanctification, which is the process that will occur for the rest of my life, the rest of your life, sanctif- being made holy. And it's a joint project between God and you to develop you into the image of Jesus. Well, if you're here today, I mean, starting a new year out, and you're wondering, what is God's will for my life in the year 2022? You may be wondering, am I supposed to marry my boyfriend? Am I supposed to move to Chicago? Am I supposed to go back to school and get some more education or take this other career path? I don't know. That's between you and God. You guys can work that out. But I can tell you for sure, listen to me, God's will for you in the year 2022 for sure is for you to grow more into the image of Jesus. Amen? That's God's plan for you in 2020. I don't know about the other things. I don't know about the details of those. But absolutely, you can leave here convinced this is something God wants for me. If I'm opening my life up to him this year, this is what he wants to do. Make me more like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Feel like Jesus. Interact with people like Jesus. Talk with grace 
and love like Jesus with others. And Jesus, it took years for him to grow up. It took years for Moses wandering in the wilderness to be formed by God. It took years for Joseph in a prison cell to be trained by God to be ready for his ministry and mission. So we want to be intentional about growing. We want to be thoughtful about doing the sorts of things that will help us grow into the image of Jesus and maybe cutting off or getting rid of those things which do the opposite of that. That's the process of discipleship. Like... How about reading the Bible through in the year 2022? It's the kind of thing. You're not going to pull that off today. Read through the Bible today. But putting one foot in front of the next, over the next 364 days, you can pull that off. And it's the kind of thing that helps you become a little more like Jesus. Jesus took Scripture very seriously He was disciplined in his relationship with the Word of God. He loved the Bible. Jesus lived the Bible. Jesus thought biblically about things in his life. Did you know that in his teaching ministry, Jesus quoted from 27 different books of the Old Testament, the the text we know as the, the Hebrew Tanakh. He quoted around 80 different Bible verses from that text. Jesus loved the text. Jesus taught the text. Um, And he did more than just memorize Scripture. He did more than just know facts about what the Bible says. He deployed Scripture in his daily life, which really gets us back to Luke 2, 52, where Luke tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom. Wisdom isn't just about knowing a lot of stuff. It's about deploying that. It's about applying that in your life, in your family, in your relationships. That is wisdom. Wisdom is not some massive accumulation of facts and knowledge. It is taking that and putting it into practice in in the real world. Um, I've said this before and I've stolen it from somebody. I don't know who, uh, but I'll, I'll use it again. I think it's pretty good. Uh, The difference between knowledge and wisdom. Well, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing enough not to put it in a fruit salad. I mean, it's applying that in the right way at the right time. A wise person is not someone who simply knows the truth. It's someone who applies the truth in their life. And that's where we want to get as a disciple, right? When it comes to wisdom, Jesus models for us that we don't grow wise in isolation. You know, we live in a world right now, a moment of quarantine, isolation, social distancing, don't get too close to people. Jesus models for us the importance, though, of community when it comes to growing wise. Um, Like growing wise, that's not what happens when you lock yourself in a little room with a bunch of books and just start reading voraciously. When we see Jesus at the temple, he doesn't go to the temple and get in a closet with a bunch of Torah scrolls all by himself. What is he doing at the temple? He is asking questions and listening 
And then we're told later he's answering. He's involved in a theological community. He is around these people who love the word of God and who are devoted to studying the word of God. When, when Mary and Joseph, after three days, finally find their son, Luke 2, verse 46, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers. Let's put that verse up on the screen. After three days, they found him sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. That's what you do when you want to grow wise. You know, we often visualize Jesus, the full-grown, 100% loaded, fully mature. Uh, He is the one offering the answers. He is the one giving. What about this one? What about this biblical Jesus who is learning, who's asking questions, who is with God's people in community, who's receiving. By the way, that might be an interesting sermon series someday, the Jesus who receives, who allows the woman at the well to serve him water when he's thirsty, who allows himself to be anointed, the Jesus who is here asking questions to learn more. For a long time, I used to just kind of skip to verse 47, the next verse where he's not asking questions. It says, they were amazed at his answers. Just jump there. Oh, they're all amazed at Jesus. They were. Yes, they were. But he was dialoguing and learning and listening and asking questions as well. He had surrounded himself with this group of people who wanted to know more about the ways of God, a place where he could interact and ask questions. So, you're, yeah, you're going to need time alone with the Bible. You're going to need time alone to talk to God and to read. And if you're following the way of Jesus, if you're trying to be his disciple, you're going to need time with his people. You're going to need time where you can ask questions, where you don't have to have all the answers, and where you can hear wise voices. So I grow in wisdom when I'm in community with other believers. And I'll say this, I am so grateful that we're able to worship online when that's needed. I'm so grateful that we have streaming going on, and I know we have people joining us right now. I am glad that we have that. I do, I will call out, you know, there is something though to tangible being together, being surrounded by people, um, it, to this community. And I hope that if we're, if we're in isolation or just doing the online thing, I hope that's a temporary thing and not a permanent thing. Because to follow Jesus, we need to be around people. So we know, Luke chapter five sixteen. we know that Jesus got alone at times, to be with God, but community was really, really important to him. So often in the Gospels, he's with with people, Um, and he's not always simply there to offer, but also to receive um, and be nourished. So, the church community. The church community is a place to be nourished. The church community, the family of God, is a place to be challenged 
It's a place to be encouraged when you're having a rough time. I would say from time to time, the church community is also a place to be tested. It's also a place to be tested. Doing life together is one of the main ways that the Spirit of God grows us up as disciples. And so Preston Crest, we have so many ministries at this church that get us into groups, big groups, little groups, ministry groups, study groups, prayer groups, uh, spiritual formation groups, all kinds of groups where we gather and we learn from each other and we grow together. Um, The nursery uh, at this church is a place where we are in the business of making disciples. When they sing songs together, when they hold up a mirror and, and show the kid, this, look what God made, he made you. That is, that is disciple making. When, when our senior adults get together and do a Bible study, they are being made into disciples. They're growing in their faith. Um, Now, this isn't a perfect church. It hasn't been perfect for the first 50 years. It won't be perfect for the next 50 years. You don't have a perfect preacher, and you guys aren't perfect either, okay? But Jesus said, go and make disciples. And that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. I was just thinking about this uh, last week sitting around the house, and I was just thinking about how amazing it is that God adopted people like me, like you, imperfect people, to be a part of his family. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just blow you away that he chose us, that he selected us? And it got me to thinking, you know, when we were rebellious, Romans 5 stuff, when we were rebellious, when we were sinning against God, that is the precise moment that he sent his son on this rescue mission to redeem us and to bring us into his household. And good fathers, God is a good father. Um, Good fathers know before their babies are even born, they know this kid's going to be expensive. This kid's going to make some messes. This kid's going to rebel from time to time. And they choose to love them anyway. That's what good fathers do. They know that kid is not going to show up walking and talking and doing math problems and making great decisions. And they're going to show up and they're going to need a lot of help. But... A good father decides to love them through all of that because a good father sees the potential in that person to grow up into an amazing human being. Well, God knew that we would be expensive mess makers, and he chose us anyway. And he pours into us the wisdom of his word and the power of his spirit. And he loves us through all kinds of situations and seasons of life so that we can grow more and more into the image of Jesus. So this morning, I guess I would just finish right here. We'll pick up on this next week. But I would just finish by asking you if you are ready to say yes to God. He has invited you into his household. He sees incredible potential in you. He longs to pour heavenly resources into your life. Will you say yes to him? Cross that line of faith today. Be born again of water and spirit.
be baptized in the name of Jesus. And yeah, maybe you'll start out as a crawling, maybe you'll be a toddler for a while, but isn't it a beautiful thing to begin again, to get a fresh start and to have a journey ahead powered by God, your Father. Maybe it's just time to take another step to start a new habit this year or stop an old habit that needs to be pushed aside. Or maybe you just need prayers this morning. However you need to respond to God, do that as we stand together and worship. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh, my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like Again, we want to thank you for being here this morning on this cold winter day. Uh, really appreciate Gordon's challenge to remind us that we're always continuing to learn as disciples and to be open. I really like that word, to be open this year in 2022. Uh, we're going to close with our take-home, which is coming from Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It is a familiar, the Great Commission. What a great way to start 2022. So if you will read this with me, then we'll be dismissed. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. Have a great day.